Well, good morning, everyone. Congratulations to our grads. Well done. Pray that you will go on to be Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church God. podcast. We exist to see lives transformed do, through Jesus in, and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We, we, we hope this message blesses and inspires you. Pa- spaces and places of, uh, of serving and doing what God's called and put on your heart so, so good. Uh, want to say hi to our Princeton folks. Uh, wherever you are, say hi, Princeton. Yeah, Princeton, you can wave at us or something. I know you can't see me or I can't see you, I mean, uh, but it's still so good that you're finally able to meet in person at our Princeton campus uh, for Jan and Praxis to be a part of leading uh, Horizon uh, Campus and those of you that are being a part of it, welcome and uh, pray over this summer that you just continue to understand and know who God is in a great, great personal way for all of us. Now, one of the things over the last number of months that we haven't been able to, to uh, watch are new releases on movies. And uh, some have been coming out on various uh, platforms. Uh, one that is kind of coming out is uh, Marvel. Marvel, Marvel superhero things. I have some in my house. One of my daughters who, if we go to watch it, she's got to give me the three-year uh, backstory leading up to it so I get the full understanding of it, which is great. I'm glad that she can do that. But one, one of the superheroes that is particularly intriguing to me is the Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk is this just normal, scientific, unassuming guy. Just quiet doing his little work and working hard. And, and then somehow, if you get him mad, and it's not always clear what gets him mad, but he kind of gives a warning. You, you don't, you don't want to like me. You won't like me when I'm angry. And he begins to warn him. But then suddenly, it's too late. And, and out comes Incredible Hulk, this green muscle-bound behemoth who just destroys everything because he's anger and it's out of control and breaking things and throwing people and all kinds of craziness simply because he splits the switch and he becomes incredibly angry. I don't know about you, but it feels like there's a lot of incredible hulks out there right now. On your on your social media feed, in our general culture, in 24-hour news, wherever it is, maybe your friends, your neighbors, maybe you, maybe me, who have moments where we just suddenly flip the switch where we're not acting how we normally would. Turn to your someone beside you and say, I think he's talking about you. Yeah, okay, some of you didn't. Even though in your room, I can see you in the room, so I'm watching you, so engage here. And if you're at home, uh, maybe it's you, maybe it's me. And I know personally over the last uh, 12 to 16 months, I've had to say sorry more times than I have probably in a couple years prior to that, simply because I didn't respond well. It was a little harsh. Anybody else been a little harsh in the last year at various times? Anybody else received some harshness from other people in the last 12 to 16 months? Maybe more than we're used to in whatever format. But are people actually ruder? Are they angrier? Uh, Does the world seem more hostile or is it? The best data we have, uh, this is from an article uh, from 2019. It says that we are indeed getting angrier. In 2018, 22% of uh, respondents to a Gallup survey around the world said that they felt angry, a record since the first question was asked, or the question was first asked in 2006. That was before the pandemic. So one in five of the people you meet, maybe you're one of the five, is just angrier. 
just less happy, a little bit more upset, a little bit more on edge. And then we, maybe it's me, maybe it's you, maybe it's the person that you're waiting for, maybe it's the cashier on the other side of the glass behind a mask, which you can't hear. That's me. I, I'm like, what did you say? No, I don't want that. And I order stuff that I didn't want because they couldn't hear me and I couldn't hear them. Sometimes I just say yes, because I don't know what they said. I can't read their lips. And so a little frustrating at times, many of us, but then our mass media and social media, I don't know if you're aware of this, if you're on any of the popular social media platforms, there are algorithms that literally feed you what you want. And so it seems like for this, and this is, this is not, you know, conspiracy, but the reality is that these networks prioritize the content, which in your feed first by the likelihood that you actually want to see it because they want you to engage with it because the longer you're there, the more they can sell you something, the more they can shift. And so you start to watch something and you click like on something, or you follow a bunch of people on a certain way of thinking, the more that you do that. And our, and our mass media, our cable news networks, they all feed a narrative all the same time. The one that you look like or that you like. Get this. The diet of outrage can be customized precisely to include whatever drives you personally up the wall. So you're getting stuff and you're like, why isn't anybody else feeling this? I'm so upset about this. Because your platform is feeding you all the time. It's designed to ensure that you get the stuff that will infuriate you the most. So people, we're, we've normally had issues with this, but now we're getting it fed, force fed, or even unaware being fed a certain diet that is contributing to a general uh, lack of uh, civility and discourse. And, and, and it is angrier. People are angrier than they were. Angry, divisive, polarized, hostile, condescending, canceling. Is this concerning to anyone else or just me? Are Jesus followers though any different? Is it possible for the people of God to be different? And we've been talking about a New Testament book written by a man named Paul, who is uh, one of the early followers of Jesus. And he wrote a book called Colossians to a church in Colossae. And he was really uh, enamored with and proud of the diversity of that church. He said there were people, and it was unheard of in that day, slaves and free people worshiping together, the rich and the poor worshiping together, widows, orphans, the, the ones who had been cast off, the people who were in high society, all coming together to gather around and worship this one, the resurrected Savior called Jesus. And Paul communicates this incredible diversity. He says, but here... There was no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. I love how the Bible just slides those words in there, circumcised or uncircumcised. A little awkward moment for the morning, right? Just saying people who followed the Mosaic laws and those that didn't. But it's just, and Paul is saying, wow, this is so good. And then he goes, listen, 2021 Horizon Church or wherever you're listening from, 
I want you to understand something. In a world that has gone crazy in so many ways, that seemingly requires more uniformity, more conformity than ever, we are called to be a diverse community of people that continue and choose to walk in unity. Unity in seeing our identity, though, revolving around not where we came from, not our socioeconomic background, not where our culture came from, none of that. That's important, but it comes second after our unity around the person, the walk, and the way of Jesus. So a pastor friend of mine, Andrew Damasio, put this on his uh, social media this a uh, couple of weeks ago, and I thought, such a beautiful statement of what the local church, what Jesus' people are supposed to look like. The local church brings people together that might never be friends or socialize otherwise. To, to stand together, shoulder to shoulder, building the same church, and worshiping the same God while remaining uniquely different and simultaneously one. That's the beauty of the church when we put Jesus at the forefront, when we put his way, his wisdom, his plan, his person at the front of who we are, not where I came from, not my cultural background, not, not what I've been through, not my identity in this or in that movement, but my identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. That's primary as a Jesus person. That's number one as a Jesus person. All that other stuff comes behind being a follower of Jesus Christ. Because that's the only way that church that Paul wrote to, to held together. Why is this important? Because think of it. First of all, it's going to be a lot more enjoyable to be around people that are not always on edge and angry and divisive. Amen? Amen. Yes, it is. But when unity is present, incredible things happen. This is what God commands a blessing on your life and on your family, on your marriage, wherever you are. There's a there's an empowerment of God that's not there just when we're working by ourselves. Philippians 1 and 27 says that contending together as one person for the sake of the gospel, shoulder to shoulder, moving in the same direction, pulling the same load, seeing the world change through the power and the goodness of God. Jesus himself said in, in John 13 and 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not your big churches, not your the way that you worship, not the way that you, you do this or do that. That's all good and all important. But when it, the, where the rubber meets the road is, can we love one another? Can you love the person in the room that looks different than you, that talks different than you, that might believe a little different than you? We belong to Jesus. And our unity in Jesus is the only way we have diversity and unity at the same time. It's a powerful statement when we live as Jesus' people. And Paul recognized and reminded these people to navigate and honor diversity so that it did not descend into disunity. But how did they do that? He said this in Colossians 3 and 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, somebody say chosen. Even if you're in your living room right now, let's say chosen there we go. Chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These five incredible things. He says it's God's chosen people. You were once living this way, but because of God, you've been chosen and brought out and can live a different way. All through the Bible, we see God changing the identity of people. He changes their name. A man by the name of Saul who hated the church and hated Jesus had an encounter with God and became known as Paul. There was a man by the name of Jacob who 
who was a trickster and a fraudster, had an encounter with God and became known, not as a trickster, not as a fraudster, Jacob, but a Prince of God, Israel. And that's the reality. When God comes into your life, whatever you've been to this point becomes secondary because the God who is in you comes in you. You are chosen by him and he can transform you so that you can be a transformative effect in the world that you're a part of right now. And today we're going to look at gentleness. And we often think of when we talk about gentleness, we think it's for wimps and for women and for children and not a manly thing. Or, but the fruit of gentleness isn't about being wishy-washy or indecisive or unassertive or just plain wimpy. Gentleness is not a lack of strength, Vodi Bashamli says. It's not a lack of forcefulness. It's not a lack of, lack of power. It is power under control have the ability, have the power, but I choose not to use it out of control. Gentleness is me wrestling with my grandchildren, he says. I could crush them, but I wouldn't. That's gentleness. Gentleness expresses power, but with reserve. And for the believer, gentleness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit because by ourselves, we want our own way. By ourselves, we want our own way, but through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we can be different. Even though our nature in the natural might be to shove and push and manipulate through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live a different way because gentleness or meekness shows how humility works. Gentleness is a refusal to use power to harm anyone and unwillingness to cut and slash at people, wounding them for vengeance or spite or control. Gentleness says, I will not dominate, I will not manipulate, I will not coerce things or people for my own ends, even if I have the power and the ability. Gentleness. I think that most, if not all of us, would say, well, this is something that we need in our world right now. This is something I need in my life. This is what I need in my relationship, maybe in my marriage, my workplace, an atmosphere like that. Nobody trying to force their own way. But I also think that it's easy to slip into the opposite of that. Maybe not where you're like throwing things like the Incredible Hulk, but maybe some other ways that are a little more subtle. And I think over the last 16 to 18 months, a lot has happened in our world and in our lives personally where it's like, wow, I said some things I wish I wouldn't have said. I've done some things I wish I wouldn't have done. I responded in ways. I commented on that post in a way that was just terrible. I I promoted things that were not honoring to Jesus, like all kinds of things that are, the potential is there for you and for me to have done some things. And I just want to put out for your consideration some ways that you might be on overload or on overflow with what's gone on, splashing over onto other people in a way that's not helpful or gentle, maybe harsh, maybe harsher than you think you are, maybe a little bit on the slow burn of anger hurting yourself, hurting your relationships. Here's just some quick signs. Number one, you're seen as outspoken and opinionated. You mean I can't have an opinion? That's not what I said. But sometimes too much when you're pushing your way. If others look uncomfortable, uneasy, or end the, uh, the conversation quickly, that's your sign. It's a little too opinionated. You see things primarily as black and white, right and wrong, righteous and unrighteous. And not just things of of an important nature. Everything becomes almost a battle for you. It's someone to convince and someone to, to get into your corner. Number three, easily irritated or frustrated over little things. 
This is one of the ways I know I'm a little bit on the overload. Because when that person, when the speed limit is clearly marked and they're going 10 under in the fast lane, or you're at the left turn lane and the light is flashing, you only have so long, and they're on their phone texting somebody or looking at something really slowly. And I can know because a flash of anger comes up. I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? Maybe you're a little pushy, number four, pushy and impatient. Many times harsh people can't see it in themselves because they get what they want and people will not typically call them out for their behavior. They just like, I'm not, they're so pushy, I'm just going to step back a little bit and get out of their way. Being a complainer is another sign. Lots of complaining about the transgressions and shortcomings of others. That's, that's a classic Canadian way. Passive aggressive where we won't confront something. We'll just talk about it over here or talk about it over there or just dig our heels in and refuse to cooperate. Number six, being overly sensitive, quick to take offense. Oh my gosh, 2021. Number seven, not being very empathetic. Sometimes harsh people are just using communication to get a job done and forget that people are part of the process. But how are you doing when I talk about some of those things? Because we often have blind spots and sometimes we think we're doing better than we are. That's why we're called in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Have I been harsh? Have I been unkind? Have I been a way that's over the top with people? I've been controlling, manipulative, trying to get my own way. Matthew 7 reminds us, hey, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and forget that you have a plank in your own eye? Trying to get us to see that maybe the first place to focus is not everybody out there, but you right here. Does gentleness mean that extroverts like Pastor Daniel can't be loud and funny and jokey? No, it doesn't mean that. Not at all. The extroverts help us introverts actually find friends because by ourselves... We'd be like on a corner, sitting against the wall, looking at our phone, waiting for the party to be over. But the extrovert pulls us out and makes it. So we're happy for the extroverts. What I'm talking about is an attitude that we have towards people and our approach to dealing with others. Because there are times when there are actual areas of disagreement. And we're going to look at one uh, area in a moment here in John 8, if you want to turn there. John 8, 1 to 11. But it's important to note that Paul said to a church in Corinth... Because, hey, pastor, how am I, I've got to tell the world all the things that are wrong with it. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians to a church there in Corinth. He says, what business is of it of mine to judge those outside the church? Sometimes we, we do what's called deflection. Instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to deal with our issues, we deflect and point it to a world. Where the first place is, Lord, let it begin with me. Move me, move me. And John 8, though, tells us how to do it. One day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees, the religious rulers, brought a woman to him who had been caught in the act of adultery. Not going to go hugely into the story, but I want to know where the guy was. Not just dragging a woman into the story, because if you're caught in the act, we know the other guy was somewhere there. And so she's brought in and they say, we want to stone her, which literally meant pick up rocks, throw them at the person until they died. And Jesus says to them, he says, hey, one of you, any of you that's without sin, you cast the first stone. And the Bible records that beginning with the eldest, they dropped their rocks and left. In other words, they 
they realized that they had their own issues. Great illustration. But then Jesus says this. He asked her the question, woman, where are, thy, where are your accusers? And in John 8 and 11, 11, she says this, no one, sir. She said, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus, who had no sin and was the only one in the circle that could have thrown the rock, didn't. But gentleness doesn't mean that we don't, doesn't mean we say nothing. Look what Jesus did. He still addressed the issue. Go and leave your life of sin. But what? His response was gentle and compassionate. Setting an example for the Pharisees and for you and me. Because Jesus is not only our example showing us how to do it. He's our power to do it. And he was full of grace and truth. John 1 and 14 says, in our world, we have the concept of your truth and my truth and their truth rather than the truth. Here we see Jesus is willing to confront us with the truth that we need him. We're sinners in need of a savior, but he is full of gentleness and grace. What if the people of Jesus were more gentle? And kind, moving with full of grace and truth. It can only happen through the purpose of Je- through the person of Jesus. Gentleness doesn't mean you don't address, address issues, because all through the scriptures we are called to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, those that are marginalized. We are called to advocate for the widow and the orphan. Doesn't mean you hide in the background like a wallflower. Remember, it's power under control. We hold abusers accountable. We're called up to to stand up. This is scripture, to stand up for the refugee, to stand up for the immigrant, to stand up for the prisoner, to stand up for those that have been oppressed. That's what the Bible tells the people of God to do. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God, Micah 6 and 8. So we are called to stand and speak with gentleness. It's how we do it. Jesus models the way. But how do we handle it when the world disagrees or even hates you? For living by the ways of Jesus. How do you treat those that maybe are not like you or don't like you? First Peter 3 and 15 reminds us. And this would apply to your Facebook feed. It would apply to your neighborhood. It would apply to your Instagram. It would apply to your workplace. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In other words, I go by the way of Jesus. I'm under Jesus as a follower of him. His way rules and overrules. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. In other words, why are you a follower of Jesus? Something looks different. You're... Then it says this, but do this with gentleness and respect. Not beating them around the ears, not calling names, not calling them whatever the the word of the the day is, the insult of the day is, but gentleness and respect. That means we treat those that we disagree with, with dignity. Everyone is created in the image of God and is worthy of respect and dignity. There's no need to put another person down to defend yourself. There's no need uh, to lift yourself by putting someone down. Even if the other person is offensive to you, if you're a Jesus person, you respond differently. Paul said to his disciple Timothy in 1 Timothy, the band can begin to make their way up. 
He says this, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue. Someone say pursue. Whoa, I'm going to try that in the room. They're so hot, they're going to sleep. Someone in the room say pursue. There are two of us, me and Pastor Daniel. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, and fight the good fight of the faith. It's interesting how the word gentleness ends with the sentence and fight begins the next one, which tells us that gentleness, you have to fight for gentleness in a world gone crazy to show the world that it makes a difference to be a follower of Jesus, that the power of Jesus was in you. So I can walk with gentleness, not simply by trying harder, but say, I'm going to have to fight for it. But with the power of Jesus inside of me, helping me, I can be and live differently because gentleness is an unexpected powerhouse response to a world that only expects more anger, more violence, more strife. Being gentle can make all the difference in your part of the world. And your part of the world is your social media platform. It's your neighbor. It's the person that you talk with across the fence. It's the way that you talk about somebody that has a different political aspiration or view than you. It's the way that you talk about someone that, or with someone that has a different sexual orientation. It's the way that you talk about or with someone that doesn't believe Jesus in any way. It's the way that you talk about someone that's struggling with alcohol. It's the way that we talk about someone that's doing well financially. However it is, I am called, if I'm a Jesus follower, if I'm a Jesus person, to live a different way, to walk with gentleness, to walk with respect in the middle of a world gone crazy and point the way this is impossible except through Jesus. Fill me up. Because there are careful ways to be bold and gentle. There are nonviolent ways to stand up for what is right. There are non-manipulative ways to lead and to convince others. But it's not our human nature to be gentle. It goes beyond our instinct. It goes beyond education or the influence of society. If we are to bear the fruit of gentleness, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to be gentle when it's hardest to be that way. Jesus said of himself, I am gentle and humble in heart. And he said, come unto me, I'll give you rest. And in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of the hatred, in the midst of the craziness, Jesus reminds us again that he is our source. He gives us rest so that we are not operating out of overload with sharpness, belittling, meanness. He is the example, but he's also the power to live gentle in a world that says fight for it, fight with, fight for gentleness and respect. We can show the world the reality of Jesus by the way that we love one another. You know, as we're this week, I want you to reflect on that. Is there someone I need to, as I look back over the last maybe three months, six months, maybe the whole of COVID, somebody that I need to apologize to because I was harsh with them? Or maybe there's somebody you need to forgive because they were harsh with you. Let it go and release them, bless them. And Jesus could begin a work of showing the world through us the reality of who he is and his kindness and his goodness. You know, this week is Canada Day, and I know 
Um, there's some conflicting thoughts out there of whether we should celebrate it with the incredible uh, revelation in a greater and greater way uh, around the multiple, multiple deaths and unmarked graves of residential school survivors of our indigenous population. And it's important, very important, that in the middle of what is an incredibly difficult time for, I think it's around 150,000 children went through residential schools, taken from their home, taken from their family. Brought a lot of pain in a lot of families. It's important that we mourn with those who mourn. You, I'm not going to debate whether you think something good came out of it or that. Just to, so important that we show empathy for one another. Show empathy for those and mourn with those who are in, who are walking through this. And, and Lord, help us. And all it does to me, or not the only, one of the things it does for me, it underlines how much we need a move of God in Canada. That this reality of what we're talking about today could be walked out and lived. That the church could be a leader of bringing people together with kindness, with gentleness, modeling the way of Jesus. So as we, we're going to sing a song in a moment. It's really a prayer over Canada. God, that you would have your way from sea to sea. Lord, that you would move in Canada in a powerful way, that you would bring healing to those that need healing. God, that you would forgive us where we've been wicked, where we've been unkind to one another, where we've been uh, victimizing other people, Lord, wherever, as a nation, where there's just been things that were not right, God. And Lord, at the same time, we acknowledge that Canada has been a beacon of hope for nearly 400,000 people a year come to Canada because of its reputation as a place where people can be accepted and welcomed. And we're so grateful for that, that in the middle of all of this, we feel these both tensions and we, it's, we acknowledge the pain and the mourning. We're going to pray for that. And we also acknowledge that we are moving forward and we're going to, as we reconcile and acknowledge our need for God, that God will heal Canada, heal families, heal moms and dads, heal relationships from sea to sea. Lord Jesus, and when I finish praying, the band's gonna strike out. We acknowledge our absolute desperate need for you as a nation. First of all, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would forgive Canada, Lord, for the ways that, uh, as it, by an actions of our government that were not right, Lord, that you forgive our sins, Lord, and heal our land. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 reminds us, Lord, that we would acknowledge our wickedness, Lord Jesus, and say, forgive us and heal our land. Revive your church according to your word. Lord, that we would be ones that bring healing, that bring the way of Jesus, the person of Jesus into everyday life. Thank you, Lord for our nation. Thank you, Lord, for Canada. And Lord, I pray that out of the midst of all that's going on, Lord, that you would bring Canada to a recognition that we need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Heal our land, Lord. Heal our land. Heal our land. Heal our land. We need a supernatural move of God. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.